Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Our scripture this morning is from Psalm 15. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth from their heart, who do not slander with their tongue and do no evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath, even to their hurt, who do not lend money at interest and do not take a bribe against the innocent, those who do these things shall never be moved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jenny. Well, the last four weeks I did a little experiment and I didn't really even tell you that I was doing it. Um, But as you know, we follow the Revised Common Lectionary and usually what we get is about four different options for things to preach on. We get a passage from the Hebrew Scriptures, um, also a psalm, which is in the Hebrew Scriptures, also an epistle, and then a gospel, and you can pick one. And I typically, I've found, pick the gospel or the Hebrew Scriptures passage. I almost never do the epistle, almost never do the psalm. And so I thought, okay, for four weeks in a row, I'm gonna do one of each, right? So three weeks ago, I did um, the Old Testament portion, I think. Anyway, I did Ephesians, thanks, Will. Wow, he remembers more than I do, that's great. Thanks, Will. (laughs) I did Ephesians, and then I did the gospel. Last week, I did Deuteronomy. So this week, I'm doing the Psalms. And if you were here last week, I confessed, man, this particular Psalm, I was like, I don't know what in the world we're going to get out of this one. Um, But I have to now confess that I utterly love this one. So uh, you may or may not. And that's okay with me. Uh, but would you pray with me as we get into this, um, this scripture portion? God, thank you for giving us what we need, even when we don't know we need it, even when we don't know where it's going to come from, even and maybe especially when it's surprising. And thank you for providing a place for us to gather together We don't all believe in the same thing. We don't all practice the same way. We would certainly get into fights uh, if we really dug deep enough. And yet we can come together and find unity and togetherness. And maybe that's uh, a miracle in and of itself. So we thank you for that. Amen? All right, so this question, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell in your holy hill? It's just such a... 
rhetorical, like it sounds like a speech, doesn't it? Um, in the ancient Near East, there's evidence that there were probably requirements for entering a holy place. And so as pilgrims would maybe travel up the hill to the temple in Jerusalem, it's likely that a gatekeeper would be standing outside of the entrance asking a question to which the pilgrims would have to answer a response. Uh, so I thought about asking Bob Temperley if he would stand outside of the Broadway entrance and ask a question. Who is worthy to enter into the sanctuary of Genesis Covenant Church, right? And then some people might, might say, you know, those who are schooled in the Enneagram or, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you might say. Um, but it would be weird, right? I mean, we're not used to that and you probably shouldn't do that. Uh, definitely shouldn't do that. Um, I mean, there are some people that probably could pull it off. Like, you know, um, like if Lori Lee sat out there and asked, who is worthy of entering? You would just melt and you would hug her and walk right in. You know, it'd be fine. <laughs> Same with Jerry Temperley, too. Um, if I was out there, we would get into some kind of, you know, discussion, debate, and we would go uh, down to Dairy Queen and see if it was open. Anyway, um, so Psalm 15 is most likely modeled after this entrance liturgy. Like when you read the question, O Lord, and it's addressed to the Lord, but it's really, that's more of a rhetorical device. It's not really, this is not really a prayer. But it's who may abide in God's tent. This is the question. Who may dwell on God's holy hill? And so first all play question, if you're new around here, we do all play questions so that um, we hear the voice of you all, the chorus, or the harmony, not just the solo. So this question, O Lord, who may abide in your tent, or who may abide in God's tent, or who may dwell on God's holy hill, what, is that, what, what, what does that sound like to you? What kind of question is that? Thanks, Bob. Country club qualifications. Like, is there a secret handshake we're looking for here, perhaps? Cassandra, it sounds like the who is my neighbor question. Could you say more? Because I think that's going to be delicious. Oh. Okay, Cassandra said, it's like, is it a clarifying question? Like, who is it okay for us to interact with? Are there certain people that should enter in? Or are there other people that really aren't? shouldn't probably enter in. And can we hear it from God so that we can feel okay making that categorization? That's great. What else? Yeah, Jen, thank you for that raised hand. Must be a one on the Enneagram. Oh, yeah. I love that. So Jen said, it's the person asking the question, am I okay? Do I have what it takes to enter into God's tent, God's holy dwelling? That's really good. Anyone else? Ooh. Yeah. Ah, so Dave says, like, one of these questions that the wise person asks the foolish person gives an answer. The wise person waits for the, the other wise person to really say, maybe. Anything else? Any kids have any thoughts? 
usually you nail it far better than the adults do. Well, um, when I was in 11th grade, I moved from Waterloo, Belgium to the Twin Cities. And I went to a, kind of a smaller, kind of an out, outstate school. And you guys, I mean, I was, this was 1988. I listened to The Cure. I listened to Depeche Mode. I had two earrings in my left ear. I wore eyeliner to school sometimes. I was that kind of guy. My hair was super shaved on the sides and back and super big. And if you know Depeche Mode, it was just, okay, I, I will share, I will share a, a picture on Instagram this week or on the Facebook page. Um, and, and so, but I was also, or and, I was also a, a pretty good athlete. And um, so I moved right in January, middle of basketball season. So I played basketball in Belgium, had to quit, you know, mid-season because I was moving. And there was a thought that I might play basketball at my new school. So I met with the coach. Um, and so we sat down in his office. And gosh, the first thing I remember seeing was this huge Bible on his desk. I mean, it was enormous, this thick Bible. Uh, and I was not very much into that back then. Um, but I said, hey, you know, I play a little basketball. I was wondering if I could jump on the team. I don't know if there's a tryout I can do or whatever. And he looks at me and he goes, well, you're going to have to cut your hair. And I remember going, goodbye. I did. I, I didn't. I loved basketball, but I walked out of that office and I was like, mm-mm. I'm not going to play basketball if you're going to require me to cut my hair. Now, I don't know, you know, maybe there, maybe there was this, maybe there's a long-standing short hair tradition in this particular school, but um, I didn't like that requirement. And there's a way of reading this particular question. Who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? That to me sounds like it's asking the same legalistic questions humans have been asking for as long as they've been around, right? What do I have to do in order for God to accept me? Or who is on God's team? Now, I don't know if that's what it's asking, but that's what it sounds like it's asking. And for some of you who answered the way you did, I think that's how you saw it too. And so, but if you read the earlier, so this is only Psalm 15. If you read the earlier Psalms, Psalm 1 through 14, and particularly Psalm 13 through 15, uh, you read about a kind of people. And the kind of people you read about in the Psalms up until this moment, you read about those who take refuge in God. You read about the poor, the oppressed, afflicted people. People are called meek. Uh, in Psalm 13, 3 through 4, we read this. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, kind of like the song that, that Joe just sang. This is the same spirit. Or I will sleep the sleep of death, and my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I have shaken. So there's these prayers from people who are being assailed and who are being under attack from their enemy. And they're calling out to God and saying, will somebody cover me? In Psalm 14, 4 through 6, 
another kind of prayer from a kind of afflicted person. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers, who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they shall be in great terror, for God is with the company of the righteous. You would confound the plans of the poor, but the Lord is the refuge of the poor. And Psalm 15.5 that Jenny just read ends with this promise of those who do these things that we haven't even, I mean, Jenny read them, but we haven't even looked at them. They will never be moved. And so by the time we get to the question, who may abide in God's tent, who may dwell on God's holy mountain in Psalm 15, we have heard description after description of people who are constantly afflicted, homeless, desperate for shelter, and desperate for protection. So, that should reframe the question, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? And to me, looking at context, now it sounds like if you're desperate, if you're broken, if you are afflicted and oppressed and poor in any way, and you knock on that door, of God, there's going to be a response. What is the response? Another way of saying that is how does God treat those who are constantly afflicted, homeless, desperate for shelter, and desperate for protection? Welcome. Thanks, Will. Anyone add to that? How does God treat those who are constantly afflicted, homeless, desperate for shelter and protection. Thanks, Joe. God is near and familiar with the suffering that we experience. That's what it means, I think, by the name Emmanuel, God with us. That's what it means when we see God through Jesus, which is God, hanging on the cross, God is entering into the suffering with us as one of us. And so I find it just interesting or puzzling if there's this requirement test at the beginning in order to get in. Maybe there is, but let's look at the words because I think in the Hebrew we get some really juicy hints. So who may abide in your tent? The word for tent, ochel is the Hebrew word for tent. It means a nomad's tent, tabernacle, or temporary dwelling. This is what the children of Israel would have called the tabernacle, the temporary shelter that set up to house God when they were wandering in the wilderness, right? But it's also just any tent that Greg would set up. If Greg and I went on a one-year trip through the Middle East uh, as camel herders, which would be interesting. Uh, from time to time, we would run out of water or we would encounter, uh, you know, people that maybe would hurt one, or, one of the two of us, uh, probably me, and then Greg would have to carry me to a tent and ask for help. We ran out of food. We ran out of water. Steve has a knife wound. <laughs> and in the Middle East... Anyone ever been to the Middle East? What do you know about hospitality in the Middle East if you've been there? 
Becca, what do you know about hospitality in the Middle East if you've been there? Very welcoming. Someone shows up at someone's tent in need, what's going to happen? You're going to get way more than water. You're going to get coffee. You're going to get food. You might get a little hookah. You might, I mean, who knows what you're going to get. You're going to get more than you asked for. And so it's interesting to me that the question is, and, and um, to abide in the tent, to abide is a Hebrew word, ger, and it means to sojourn. So a stranger who's on a journey, like me and Greg somewhere, but stops somewhere and stays for a while. Like So have you ever considered the fact that God is the kind of God who welcomes strangers into God's tent, even if they weren't heading that direction toward God, even if they weren't planning on staying there, even if they don't stay there, there is a tent of God in which you are welcome, no matter where you are going. When you find yourself in need, afflicted, oppressed, stressed out, One of my friends on Twitter this week, she's a mother of six. And her and her husband were playing with some of their uh, kids on the beach. And this crazy wave came and knocked the husband down. And he broke his neck and died. And so my friend now, her name is Shannon, is a single mother of six. Now, I'm not a huge, I'm ambivalent about Twitter, right? I use it, but it's kind of like it rankles me. But I'm telling you, in about 24 hours, people started a GoFundMe and raised, at, when I last checked, raised over $80,000 to just help with the craziness. Now, that doesn't calm her pain at all. But the question is, when you are in that kind of pain and you show up to God's tent, do you think God lets you in? Yeah. I don't know that there's a lot of entrance requirements for that, is there? I hope not. Uh, the passage that was read earlier, it's in this week's lectionary, I find it so fascinating, but Genesis 18, Abraham and Sarah, they've been waiting 20 years for this son that's been promised, Isaac, and of course God promises the son, but no son comes. So they're old and they've given up. And they're hanging out in the heat of the day by this tree, the trees of Mamre. And then these three strangers come up, and the word tent is mentioned like a billion times in, that, in those 10 verses. Everything's happening in the tent, but people approach his tent, and it's essentially God approaches Abraham's tent. Abraham, Abraham at that point, rushes out, gives him food, does the deal, uh, and, um, and then Sarah's waiting there, listening to everything, which I love, inside the tent. Um, and later on, in that tent, Isaac will be conceived. You know, so like, what life grows up out of the tent of God. And sometimes 
God is the one that shows up at your tent. And will you have wisdom to know that it's God in disguise as your boss? <laughs> Wait a minute, not your boss. Uh, no, kidding. Um, you know what I mean, though? God hosts us, and we host God. So, um, Holy Hill is, so who will dwell on God's Holy Hill? Holy Hill is just a mountain which is set apart, but the word for dwell is shakan. It means to settle down and dwell. The first time it's used in the Bible is Genesis 3.24, when God settles, like stations or causes someone to settle down an angel with a fiery sword at the entrance of the Garden of Eden, right? And never moving. And so it's this, it's this sense of like who, so who will sojourn with God, but then who will really, who will really dwell and be stationed with God? And then the answer is in verses two through five. They're not requirements for entrance, I don't think. What they do is they give a picture of what life is like when someone has spent time in the tent of God and on the holy mountain of God. And so they naturally exude these kinds of characteristics. It's like the Sermon on the Mount, right? When Jesus rolls out the Beatitudes and it's like, you're not supposed to try to hard to be poor in spirit. It's just when you're around God for long enough or Jesus for long enough, you become poor in spirit. That's what flows out of you, amen? They're not entrance requirements. They're what flows out of you when you've hung out for a while. And so a question that I think is helpful when we look at this, these next three or four verses, is what, what you believe is really important, but what you practice is equally important. And those two things go together, right? But wouldn't it be fascinating for maybe six months to no longer ask or even try to answer the question, what do you believe? But instead, ask and answer the question, what is your practice? So Psalm 25, 2 and 3, those who walk, now we're going to get to the picture of people who have been with God, have been with Jesus, we would say, uh, this is how they look. Those who walk blamelessly, those who do what is right, those who speak the truth from their heart, those who do not slander with their tongue, do not do evil to their friends, nor take up reproach against their neighbors. So I've just broken them down. This is where I wish we did have a screen. Because walk blamelessly, the word for blameless means whole or complete. So how I would translate that is as a practice. What is your practice? You might want to write some of these down if you have a pen or put it in your phone. What would it be like to be walk blamelessly? That's the practice of being trustworthy and true. What would it mean to be trustworthy and true, to have integrity, to speak the truth from your heart? I think that means in today's vernacular, what does it mean to be vulnerable, to have a practice of being vulnerable and courageous? Do not slander with your tongue. The word for slander um, is the same word that's used when feet shuffle. So it's like, here's the practice. Do not shuffle what you say according to who you're with. For Enneagram threes, that's a big one. <laughs> I heard a eh. Do not shuffle what you say. Don't harm your friends. And, and the, um, 
the word for harm, it's like when you harm cattle. The way I translate it is don't poison the well. So you're with your friends and you have the chance to share some juicy gossip that's gonna put pit your friend against the person that you feel like you're mad about. That's poisoning the well. Don't poison the well. And then don't take up a reproach against your neighbors. What that means is don't shame people. I'm reminded of Micah 6.8. He has told you, O oh, mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness or mercy, and to walk humbly with God. That's a practice, right? Psalm 15, 4 and 5, the last two verses that Jenny read, uh, this is just a continuation, a picture of people who have spent time with God and whose life flows out that character, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath even to their hurt, who don't lend money at interest. Wait, what? And don't take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved. And so again, just a quick, here's how I would translate those. In whose eyes the wicked are despised, that's essentially to oppose those who oppose God. And I don't mean people who say, you know, God isn't real. I'm, this is mostly people who claim to be for God, but are absolutely um, doing the opposite of what God does. Oppose those, but who honor those who fear the Lord. So standing for those that do the kinds of, that have the kind of practice that God does, which is to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly. Who stand by their oath even to the hurt. Let's do an all play question for this one. What does that mean? Who stand by their oath even to the hurt. Yeah. Wait, say it again. Yes, to stand by someone even, in, even when it causes you pain. Woo! Wisdom. Yeah, Bob. To speak truth to power. Yep. Yep. To speak truth to power knowing that you'll be alienated, embarrassed, shunned. Even to the hurt. Even when the going gets tough, yeah. I think, here, here's, okay, uh, let me poke at progressive social media culture. Man, it's easy to get super fired up on social media and say something to be like, I am, mm-hmm. right? And then you really just sound self-righteous. That, that's, that's what you sound, that, that's how you sound. But if you do the hard work, of actually getting to know people in need and people who disagree with you, your, your heart expands and broadens, but it hurts. Because it may cause you to make sh- certain decisions that you were hoping you didn't have to make. I think that's also what it means, to the hurt. Um, 
who don't lend money at interest, okay? So um, essentially what this means is there's a scenario both in the biblical times and now where those with a lot of money could meet with those who are in desperate need of money and charge a ton of interest on a loan because that's the only way that they'll get it, right? You need money bad, I have some money. You need it so bad that I'm gonna charge you 25%. And God is saying, don't exploit people who are in a tough circumstance by doing that. And then you have to say, well, how, how low is low enough to not be exploiting? <laughs> That'd be a great conversation, right? Uh, don't take a bribe against the innocent. Don't exploit the poor for your own gain, essentially is what that means. And so we're at the end of our time. But I want to invite you to actually look at Psalm 15 this week. It's only five verses. Look at it and invite yourself to sit in God's tent with God and let the questions come up. What does it mean for me to practice, to practice what God wants me to practice? And I would just pick maybe one of those, like 10 things, you know, for a while. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.